Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Being an entrepreneur is not just about finding what you're passionate at. It's not just about finding a need and filling it for your clients. It's about finding partners, finding the right place, finding something that fills the need of not only yourself, your clients, but also the world. And I'm really excited to have that conversation and more today. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast, brought to you by C-Suite Radio and sponsored by powertexting.com. Powertexting.com is a great platform to stay in touch with your clients and your prospects. Super affordable, super easy to use. And they give away a free hotel stay to one listener of every episode of the show. So stay tuned for more information on that. I'm really excited for today's conversation. We've been trying to do this for like four months and schedules got in the way, but we finally made it happen. He's a financial advocate. He's a fractional CFO. He's a father of two, including a newborn two-month-old. John <laughs> Kennedy, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Adam, thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, definitely. And so I always like to know the journey and, and how you became an entrepreneur. Was this something that you always knew you wanted to do or was this something that you learned later in life? Yeah, that's a great question. I think when I was a kid, short of being like a major league baseball player for the Atlanta Braves, um, I probably realized at a young age, maybe between eight and 10, that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, I watched my dad run his own business. Um, moments of his life, he worked from home, he had an office out of the office, you know, out of the house. And it was just, it was really fun watching him. And so I, I think I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. When I went to college, though, I had a marketing track, believe it or not. I took um, one personal finance class, and that was my hook. I said, this is for me. I love this stuff. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. That's so cool. And quick little aside, I was in Atlanta this weekend for my 25th college reunion. And the first, my sophomore year of college, the first week, that was when the Braves were in the playoffs and they went on an unprecedented 12 year run. And I became hooked as a Braves fan. You were probably watching it at exactly the same time. So we definitely have that in common. Oh yeah. We're a Braves family. We're hoping to, uh, to make it past the first round of the playoffs one of these seasons, but yeah, we're a Braves family through and through. <laughs> That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. So you said your dad was an entrepreneur. Was that something that was discussed in the household, like the, the art of entrepreneurship was, or did, was it just what he did in his job? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, looking back, I don't think it was, was discussed when I was a kid. Certainly as I got older, we talked about it, but um, I think it was more just observing him, right, as a father, like seeing that, that, you know, taking phone calls, doing business meetings, being able to step out of his home office and hang out with me as a kid and throw the ball around. So I just always, when, when you're that little, you just, you observe your parents and, and the habits that they have. And so I just always thought, how cool is this? Because most people I knew, like their parents, you know, worked and were out of the house and they didn't see their dad until nighttime. So um, I, I think probably it, it was a combination of observing it. And then, you know, as I got older, having, having dialogue around it. Yeah, that makes sense. And did you have like side businesses growing up? Were you, you know, the guy in college selling t-shirts and starting little businesses? Or was it it's still more of a dream at that point in your life? Man, I was the 10-year-old kid in the summers going house to house, like pulling weeds out of people's, like, you know, offering to pull weeds out of papers and, 
and weeds out of their flower beds and doing yard work and trying to do pool maintenance. I mean, I, yeah, from an early age, I was doing all those things. So actually, now that you asked that question, that makes me realize yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting to think about as we're younger, that creating your own income is something that some of us just do and other people never do. And it leads to where you go today, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and for me, I mean, I getting into the financial services industry in 2008, right? So the, the Great Recession, and, and I mean, it was an interesting time to get into the industry. But even then, I knew how important providing good sound advice was. And I just, I loved being able to, to do it in this entrepreneurial fashion. Um, where we get to have the autonomy of how we give that advice and what we think makes sense. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been a fun journey. That's awesome. And did you, did you start your own business right out of school or did you go a more traditional sort of corporate path as a start in, in the financial world? Yeah, more, probably the more, yeah, the more traditional corporate route, uh, worked with a firm for a long time. And then and a couple of years ago, my now business partner and I decided that we wanted to kind of go it our own way, um, create something where we could really serve retirees and business owners um, in a unique fashion. And that's where we started Candor Path Financial. And, and you can find John at Candor Path Financial, C-A-N-D-O-R Path.com. Um, yep. Great place to learn more about what he and his, and his partner do. And was, did you and your partner come together and say, we got to do something different? Let's Talk about this. Was it a little more organic than that? How did that transformation happen where you decided, all right, let's get rid of the paycheck and let's open our doors? Yeah, I, I think I, I realized early on, and as did he, that we didn't want to be solo entrepreneurs. Um, we really wanted to leverage each other's time and talent and skill sets. And so it's, it's, it is funny to me because I think as I was consulting other, other peers, other people in my industry, people I looked up to, a lot of people were, were very anti-partnership. And I look back on it now, and even at that moment, I thought, well, how, how could I do this in any other way? Like, how, how could, I mean, certainly we could, but not to the scale and to the degree in which we do it now. And so for us, the beauty of it is we have a great relationship. We've known each other for a really long time. Um, but I'm the advocate of doing partnerships, where I think probably the, the norm in, the realm of business owners and entrepreneurs is to kind of steer clear of them. Um, but I think that if done properly, it is a huge business advantage in terms of, of being able to grow. Interesting that you say that. Was that, is that something true to you in whether it was sports or whether it was growing up or whether it was studying? Did you always have a thought partner with you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I deep down in my in my bones believe in that collaborative effort and that, you, you know, it's just so hard to, to do things on your own. Even, I mean, think about it, like even just bouncing ideas off of someone that understands what you're going through. I mean, certainly, um, you know, I've got a, a great wife, really supportive spouse, but I'm not going to bring all those things to her too. I mean, it's just great to have a business partner and to be able to collaborate in that way. And I feel like my mindset has always, has, has always been about that. I think that, that's really important. And, and I just had a, a recent guest who, who builds and hosts masterminds, making sure that as entrepreneurs, your neighbors might not be entrepreneurs, your spouse not be, might not be an entrepreneur. They don't necessarily understand some of the huge highs and huge lows of owning your own business. 
and finding someone that, that you can have that conversation with and be super candid about how you just got your butt kicked or how you don't know how you're going to make payroll. You know, all of those things come to it. How did that, that part of your life come together? Meaning finding the right people and understanding this is not a one-way ticket straight up in the entrepreneurial world where sometimes corporate world, you know you're getting a paycheck, you know what to do. Every day can be different in your life now. Well, and it's, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because I think even in one of your most recent podcasts, you've talked about finding your tribe. And, and so I'm, you know, I'm just a, a big advocate of, of having that collaborative effort, like I said. And I've, I've followed Tim Ferriss for a long time. I'm sure most of your listeners know who he is as well. And I don't know if he's the originator of this idea, but certainly he brought it to, to, my, to the forefront of my mind in that you are the average of the five people you spend the majority of your time with. And it, it really required me to make an audit of, of, okay, well, who are these five people? And I even, I even sort of logged it for a while to see like just sheer, you know, quantitatively based, like sheer hours in my day. You know, certainly it's, it's my spouse, but then beyond that, who am I spending the majority of my time with? Colleagues, friends, whatever, uh, family, and then understanding. Okay, well, if I want to be the average of these five, I really need to make sure that these top five are going to be influential. They're going to be positive. They're going to be people that I look up to. That I want to, I want to, you know, I want to adopt, adapt their, to their mindset and to how they think too. Um, so it's something that I've been that I've long thought about, but um, it's stuff you guys talk about all the time too. I just think it's so important to find your tribe and know that these people um, will rally around you and be supportive of you as a business owner. I mean, you, you just, you need that. There's highs and lows as a business owner all the time. You just need that group of people that's going to support you. I love that. And I, th I think it's, it's critical. And I love that you brought up the, the, the five people around you. Yeah. And there's another guy, his name's Charlie Tremendous Jones. He's a motivational speaker and writer. And he said, the only difference between you today and you in five years is the people you meet and the books you read. And that follows right along with what you're saying. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm an avid book reader too. I mean, I've got a huge stack sitting on my desk that I'm looking at that I know I need to get to, but uh, yeah, I'm just a big believer in that stuff. That self-improvement as an entrepreneur, it just, it really can never stop. Can it? No, it can't. It can't. I totally agree. So speaking of, of always improving, take us back to that first year. You open your doors. You and your partner now have your own business. You're going your own way. What was the hardest thing or the, or the biggest you know, challenge that, that came up in that first year? That's, a, that's an awesome question. And I, I've thought about this. And I think I've identified two things. But primarily for us, it was really being able to focus on the important things over the urgent things. And I, I, I've, I've heard, I mean, I've even heard this on your podcast too, but I mean, this is just, it's such, it's so easy in theory and it's so difficult in practice, especially in a service-based world where we work with individuals and business owners. Um, um, you know, we, you have client meetings, you've got action items, you have things to do. It would be so easy to make your day or to have your day just simply get away from you with action items, little tasks that add up that at the end of the day, you audit your day and you're like, well, I know I was busy. I know I worked hard all day, but I really don't know what it was I accomplished. And so for us in that first year, we recognized we needed to make sure we were focusing on the important things. You know, the vision casting, the building of our brand, the, 
the growing of our firm, the right hires, that type of stuff was really, really critical in year one and, st and remains critical now. Um, but I think that's such a difficult, it's just easier said than done. It's such a difficult task. And it was, it's something that even to this day, when I wake up in the morning, I write down the first three, like the, the big three that I want to accomplish in the day. Because if I don't have that written down, visible to me, it, uh, my day will just get lost. Just like many others that are entrepreneurs and business owners, I, I would imagine. No, I, I hear that every, every day. I do that every day. You know, yeah. where business can take over, clients can take over because they're they're the lifeblood of our business. But if we don't stick to what we need to accomplish, it can be a month, and all of a sudden, the big things still haven't gotten done, right? Yeah, and I, you know, I guess a, a good point of clarification on that is, is you know, clients hear from us within 24 hours. Um, we believe in effective and, 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 you know, really good communication and touch points. I mean, that, that's so critical in what we do, um, as with any business. But I feel like in the service-based world, that's just so, so critical. But it's just easy to prioritize those things that feel more urgent over the things that are truly important in growing the business. And for us we've wanted to continue to develop the team and have the right people in place so that our offerings can get even better and even bigger. And so um, it's just, it's, it's easier said than done. I recognize that, but I would say in the first year, that was the most difficult thing. And the other thing too, is really balancing the highs and lows of being a business owner. I mean, it's just, it would be so easy to get caught up in the moment uh, when things feel like they're snowballing and working against you. But I also think that kind of goes back to having that right community of people around you, like we talked about earlier. Yep, and, and having the right people that you can ask. Did, did you and your partner ever look at each other and be like, what the hell are we doing? No, not a single, I truly, truly, I, I can say that with confidence, not a single moment. It's, it, we, I, we look at each other and think this is the great, why didn't we do this sooner kind of thing. Um, it's just, it's great, it's so fun. And you know what, we even have, we have a business coach that we consult with uh, every other week that we sit down and we we're very, we're highly intentional about, ha about having these discussions, but um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun journey for sure. That's wonderful. We're talking with John Kennedy on the entrepreneurs MBA podcast with Adam Kipnis. As I said earlier, uh, powertexting.com gives away one hotel stay to one listener of every show. So go to podcasttrip.com and enter to win that trip. It's 17 locations around the country, a few around the world, four and five star hotels. So a super great offer from them. And uh, hopefully people can take advantage of that. So John, as, as you're building your you know, financial services business and you do consulting and you do advisory work and you do uh, fractional CFO work, how did, how did that sort of transform into adding more services to benefit your clients? Because you probably started in a, a little more traditional, let's go after this type of client and help them. But now you have a whole suite of services. How did those come together? Well, I think it was driven by our passion. Um, working with business owners is something where we just really identify the, the struggles, the opportunities, the challenges that come with being a business owner and an entrepreneur, uh, because that's, you know, we, we are, we are one as well. So we just really identified with it and we recognize that there's a lot of fun and creative planning in the space of how your, your personal finances and your business finances blend and looking at key performance indicators and, and understanding how your cash flow metrics should work in your business, what your profit margin should be like that 
that stuff's always been sort of exciting to us. And so as we developed this, we realized, wow, I mean, it, it, we work with, we work with retirees, we work with executives. I mean, there's, it, it's not that this is specifically our only niche, but it's just some, it's just a, the type of individual that we enjoy serving and the type of planning that can get creative as a business owner. So really serving as someone's advocate financially being their, their quote unquote fractional CFO, where that sort of developed was, okay, there's something like 27 million businesses across America that generate $1 million or less a year of revenue. And so that, and that's a lot of money. That's still a lot of money. If you generate a half a million dollars a year, goodness gracious, you're running a great business, but it's probably difficult and the margins might be too thin to hire a full-time CFO, right? So you still would benefit from some of those, some of those types of services, but traditionally speaking, you couldn't afford it. And so in this world of the gig economy, we thought, well, why are we not able to just work with business owners in the fashion we already do and then sort of add to the scope of services, uh, key performance indicators and looking at business metrics and helping them out? Why couldn't we do that? And so that's, that's sort of how that was born. Interesting. And one, one thing that's, I've never fully understood and I've asked a number of people, so I want, I want to get your thoughts on this. Yeah. is whether you're an individual, whether you're you know, recently retired, whether you're a business owner, one of the last things people hire is someone to help with their finances, whether it's a bookkeeper, yeah. whether it's an advisor. Many people do their own thing, and it's not because they think they're better at it, but there's something holding them back. And I think the first thing we all should do is hire someone to do our bookkeeping when we're in business. We should hire someone to get advice on the financial side, because it's such an extremely intricate and, and growing world. Why is it that people hold back and don't hire a financial partner or financial advocate, sometimes until it's almost too late? I think that there's some components of, of money psychology and how people, um, you know, their habits that have formed around how they view money. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a scary topic. I think it's, it's easy to push off to the side, right? It's not fun. Like building a business is fun and, you know, following your passion, creating a cool idea, that stuff's fun. For most people, the financial end of that is the not exciting part. And so we do try to make that a little more fun and exciting, but I think that it probably the root of that is maybe someone's relationship with money. If they've had bad experiences with it growing up, um, if they, you know, we, we operate, we tend to operate with a scarcity mindset that there's never enough and we always need to grow and we always need to have more and we need to protect what we have. And I think all those things combined sort of uh, allows an individual to just think that this is such an overwhelming conversation and task that, well, we'll put it off until the new year. And then the new year comes and yeah, you know, we'll meet with a couple financial advocates or financial planners and, you know, we'll, we'll, it, it's not until that pain point becomes so obviously clear to them that they make that decision. And that's typically why it ends up happening later in some of these, in some of these uh, life transitions than it does on the earlier end, like it, like it probably should. I, I would agree, and in, in my world, I do a lot of strategic planning with my clients. That's the core focus of my business is, you know, locking folks in a room for two days and just planning out their entire business for the next five years. And in our personal lives, we need to do that as well. In our business lives, we need to do that. The planning aspect is so critical. What are, 
two or three important components of a good plan, whether it's personal or whether it's for your business, when we're talking about the finance side? Yeah, gosh, I would say understanding, yeah, I mean, certainly understanding where your money's going and understanding what your savings rate is. So think of it just for a moment on the personal side of a business owner or entrepreneur. Um, you, you really need to hone in and know what your savings percentage is. You might know how much goes towards a SEP IRA or you know, some type of retirement account, but I want you to know the percentage based on what your earnings are so that as time goes on and as your earnings grow, you're able to connect that percentage and continue to grow your savings rate with it. And I mean, listen, the average savings rate in America is less than 5% and it needs to be higher, right? I mean, we can't depend on, um, well, we have to depend on ourselves for retirement in, in today's world. So I would say identifying where you're spending and where you're saving has got to be the, the two biggest areas that most people, again, it's not fun. It's, I can't tell you how many times I have conversations with individuals where we do some of that cash flow planning and they say, ooh, you know, I don't even want to see that number. I don't even want to know what I spend going out to restaurants. But the reality is whether you know it or you don't know it, you're, you, still, you still did it, right? So, I mean, I, I, that's kind of how I always talk through it with people. It's like, okay, it's okay. This isn't a negative thing. Let's just kind of know what the numbers are so we can then know where to go with it. I think that that's great. It, it's the idea of if you run your life as a business, like you run your business as, as a business, everything can change. Many entrepreneurs have their, are super buttoned up in every dollar spent, where it's going, what their numbers look like, and then their personal life is a mess because they're not treating their personal life and their personal finances as a business. Do you it's, it's so true, man. <laughs> and it's so fascinating to me that that's the case, but it is. It is, you know, you spend all your time pouring your efforts into your business and that for, for lack of a better way of explaining it, that's your baby, right? As you're growing it and scaling it. And so you're really, you're treating that with, you're a good steward of your business. You're treating that with care. And, and what ends up happening is your personal life on the financial end, oftentimes it's, it's the last thing you think about. You come home, you spend time with your family, you want to go do fun stuff on the weekends. There's really no time to carve out to have those discussions. My, I, I kid you not, my wife and I went out to lunch last this past Sunday to talk about our finances because we just hadn't been able to carve out time. And so um, we, we had grandma watch, you know, watch our kids and we got an hour to sit down and talk finances because we feel like it's that important. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, it is a fascinating trend, but it's so true that you, you treat the business finances great. And then on the personal side, uh, it, it oftentimes gets ignored. Yeah. I think that's a huge takeaway for everybody listening. It's, and you don't have to over businessify your life, but if you begin to think about your personal finances from a business perspective, it can change everything for you. And so it, along those lines, you know, as well as I do that, that everybody needs someone like you in their life. They need someone that they can, whether it's a, a question about their mortgage, whether, whether it's a question about should they refinance, a question about do I have enough money to hire somebody? Somebody needs you in, in their, they all need you in their life, but not everyone hires you. So how have you found that need that everyone has translate into who is your client and how do you find them? Where, where do you go to get your clients to get them to say yes? 
Yeah, so I think at this stage of the game, uh, and, and partially this is just where we're at in our careers. So, I mean, I'm, I'm over 10 years in the industry. My business partner, Matt, is 20 years in the industry. Um, so, uh, for the most part, it ends up being client referrals. Um, because it's, if you think about it, I mean, that, that transfers to transference of trust, it's just so easy when you have a client family member who says, hey, you really need to go work with these guys or, or whatever the case may be. So I think client referrals still remains to be in the world of how we do uh, planning and how we grow our business, the, the most effective way to grow. Um, but what's fascinating about that, we do a lot of videos. If you check out, you know, if you go to facebook.com forward slash canterpath, um, if you follow us on LinkedIn, you know, some of our social media platforms, you'll see a lot of the videos that we do. And they're not, I promise, they're not boring. Like, how do you fund a, you know, a SEP IRA or something? I mean, they're, they're meant to be fun and exciting topics that we discuss. Um, but what's fascinating about that is a prospect comes in, sits down with us. And they, it, 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 it took us a while to figure this out, Adam, but what we discovered is they already know us in a, in a more meaningful way than they used to because they go to our page and they've watched a video of me. They've already heard me talk. They, they, know, my, they know my conversation style. They've seen me communicate. They've seen my office behind me when I've done a video. So they come into the office and they feel like they already know the office and they feel like they already know me a little bit. And I think that deepens that connection in, that first, in those first few meetings. Um, but we have a, we really believe in, in video in 2019. I think it's so, so critical and we're getting better at it. I mean, I say that it's not like we do a video a day or anything, but, um, I just think it's really important to get your message out there and have, you know, have people see and be authentic and be uncomfortable in front of video. Man, the first few I did, I must, I must've done 90 takes on some of these videos and now I, I do a lot less, but. You know, if I mess up here and there, I think there's like some authenticity to as well, which is kind of cool. I would agree. And, and in today's world, it's, it's so easy to create publicity for yourself in the social media world and, and doing video and being raw and being just out there saying, hey, here's what I do. I think I can help you really can make it easy for someone to say, hey, John, I think I need to talk to you, correct? Yeah, and, and, the, and the financial planning process, like that's not linear. You know, you, you, might, you might see a video or you might get referred to us by someone who works with us. And that's great, but you just might not be at that stage in life where you're ready. You know, that, that pain point might not be big enough. And so, um, but if you know about us and we're proactive in just putting good messages out there in the online community and you maybe follow us, I, I'm, I'm confident that when the time comes, you'll at least, we'll at least be one of the three, you know, we were big advocates on interviewing, you know, three to five financial people. We'll at least be one of the three that you consider. That's great. And you can get that information at facebook.com slash candorpath. You can go to candorpath.com. And as a first step, many of you should go to candorpath.com slash interview. There are great questions that, that John and his, his partner have set up for you to, to begin this process. And as we sort of wrap up a little bit here, what, what is one or two things that people should do first? Because yes, they can come to you and they can say, how can you help? But what can they do to prepare a little bit so they can be as proactive but also as helpful to you as a financial advocate and hit the ground running? Yeah, I think you, know, you mentioned um, 
canapath.com forward slash interview. That, that's a great place because so that it's just a document that allows you, you can print it out, you can write on it, you can bring it to different places, you know, different people you're interviewing, but it allows you to ask some of those uniform questions. Because we're, we're really big on making sure, you know, sure you understand some of the important questions like what are their designations and certifications and so on and so forth. That stuff's really critical. Um, but we also want to make sure that it's a good fit and that you're asking some qualitative questions that end up getting to the heart of the matter for you and finding someone that's really going to speak your language and, is, and, and you're comfortable with. Like I, I say, you know, at the end of the day, when you're, you know, when you're having these conversations with, with someone you're considering to bring on, um, to be your financial consultant, you, you just got to feel comfortable with them and you got to want to be inspired to have a conversation with them again. So like we, you know, we meet with clients periodically throughout the year. Uh, you know, if you dread my phone call and, and you're not excited to talk with this person, then that's probably not the right person for you. You know, I mean, it, it, it should be a welcome, fun thing. Um, Cause we really do try to change that money psychology and that mindset around uh, making that not a priority to making it a really important aspect of your life. Agreed. Agreed. And as a business owner that you need to build a team and some of the people you need on, on that team, you need an attorney that you can call that, that understands your business before you need them. You need a, a business coach, someone to bounce the business ideas off of. You need a financial advocate. You need a financial consultant like John and his team on your team because all of those things allow you as a business owner to do what you do better and to help more clients and and having those people around you is critical and and i know you've got all those people on your team john and as a planner by nature what does the future look like for the business are you continuing to look at growing to different spaces different cities different offers that you have for your clients or is, is business good right now and you really love what you have what's next well, yeah, we really love what we have, but we also we also love growing in a in a in a smart, methodical way. I think the industry is trending more towards this virtual presence, where you know you don't need to. And and listen, we live in Orlando, so traffic is is bad here too, right? Like it, we have clients all the time who would rather do a virtual Zoom session or a go-to meeting session then spend 45 minutes in traffic, get here, spend 45 minutes to get home, to see their kids, and then all in, they've spent half their afternoon just trying to sit down and meet with us. So I think, you know, as an industry, we're moving more and more to that virtual place, and, and there's just not geographical boundaries the way there once was, um, which is really cool. And for us, you know, we, we're always thinking about how we can uh, grow our offering and just continue to create this team um, whether it's, you know, internally for us, a, a CPA or a CFA, you know, having this team of, of counsel for you so that, yes, I may serve, I might serve as your, your lead uh, consultant and advisor that you meet with on a periodic basis. But if you, if we've got some really, really complex uh, issues that requires a CPA, we're going to bring that person in. Um, as part of our offering and, and have those discussions too. So for us, it's really always about kind of how can we grow the team and deliver the best possible value we can possibly deliver. Very cool. And last question for me as we wrap up, I, I've got to know, and I'm sure everyone asks you the name, right? <laughs> yeah. you, you, are, you are young enough where President Kennedy was a known 
commodity and an assassinated president at that time. What, 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 was, what was your parents thinking on that? Yeah, so that's funny. So my dad was born in 1945. So it was, it's actually a family name. You know, I'm, I'm actually JFK Jr. Um, and so it was really more of a family name. And when, when they, you know, when my grandparents named him, I, I'm sure they, the Kennedy family was certainly well known then, but JFK, that was 15 years before he was president. Um, and so here's the real big kicker though. And I don't even think you know this yet, Adam, but, um, brace yourself. And yes, this is true. My wife's name is Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) That I did not know. People are like, no way. I don't believe we're looking for a Jackie. I'm like, I don't know. You fall in love. You fall in love, man. (laughs) And we joked, should I take her last name? But, uh, but you know, we, we decided to stick with the John and Jackie Kennedy thing, but our children, are not they're not john john and caroline we we decided to to go away from that so <laughs> <laughs> i love it and you know it, so definitely go find john at candorpath.com because if you search john kennedy you'll probably find something different uh but i don't think uh jfk is on facebook but this john kennedy is john thanks for being here thanks for the information you gave it was a great great conversation something everybody needs to hear Adam, you're awesome, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was fun. You got it. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA Podcast. I appreciate you being loyal listeners and look forward to having you on the next one. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.